You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now here's Pastor Clay. The prophet gives these words to the people. The sovereign Lord has filled me with his spirit. He has chosen me and sent me to bring good news to the poor to heal the brokenhearted, to announce release to captives and freedom to those in prison. He has sent me to proclaim that the time has come when the Lord would save his people and defeat their enemies. He sent me to comfort all who mourn, to give those who mourn in Zion joy and gladness instead of grief, a song of praise instead of sorrow. They will be like trees that the Lord himself has planted, They will all do what is right, and God will be praised because of what he has done. They will rebuild cities that have been long been in ruins. And then from the Gospel of John in chapter 1, we hear more about who John the Baptist is and was and what his role continues to be. John says, or John's Gospel says, God sent his messenger, a man named John, who came to tell people about the light so that all should hear the message and believe. He himself was not the light. He came to tell about the light. The Jewish authorities in Jerusalem sent some priests and Levites to John to ask him, Who are you? John did not refuse to answer, but spoke out openly and clearly, saying, I am not the Messiah. They asked, Who are you then? Are you Elijah? No, I am not, John answered. Are you the prophet, they asked? No, he replied. Then tell us who you are, they said. We have to take an answer back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John answered by quoting the prophet Isaiah. I am the voice of someone shouting in the desert, make a straight path for the Lord to travel. The messengers who had been sent by the Pharisees then asked John, if you are not the Messiah or Elijah or a prophet, why do you baptize? John answered, I baptize with water, but among you stands the one you do not know. He is coming after me, and I am not good enough to even untie his sandals. All of this happened in Bethany on the east side of the Jordan River, where John was baptizing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our Redeemer, and we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. I have made no secret of the fact that I am a church nerd. I have an appreciation for the liturgical seasons. I have a favorite theologian, uh, both John Wesley and then Thomas Oden. And this is a fact about me that you have come to know and tolerate, and for that, I thank you. But as I was thinking about this idea of joy, our theme for this week, I was reminded of one of the very first times that I noticed my particular flavor of nerdiness, church nerdiness. And it comes in the form of this original sentence. There was once a time when I was a young child cleaning my room while listening to Christian radio. 
And I want you to be aware that like this was not cool Christian radio like Life 96.5 or K-Love playing the most up-to-date worship songs. This was a different version of Christian radio. This was partially Christian talk radio. Um, This is Christian radio that centered the teachings of J. Vernon McGee, a theologian that passed away in 1988, Uh, a Christian radio station that played radio dramas, and a Christian radio station that also played orchestral settings of some of our favorite hymns. Don't tell anybody that I told you this, but I'm actually kind of a big fan of the Christian radio station in my hometown of Gregory, South Dakota. But on that particular day, they had some children's programming, and the children's programming was talking about joy. And the person who was speaking said that joy is an acronym for how we're supposed to live our lives. Joy is a way that we prioritize our our emphasis in life. Because joy stands for Jesus, others, and yourself. And that is how we're supposed to prioritize prioritize what is important to us. A faith that is lived out the best that it possibly can be, a faith that is lived authentically, is a life that is lived with joy. And also a life that is lived with J-O-Y. That realizes that Jesus comes first and then others, and then yourselves. And as followers of Jesus, whether we are church nerds or not, it's really easy for us to get behind the first part of that. Jesus is first. Jesus is our first priority. And like we get that, and by and large, it's easy for us to live that way, Although we must admit that nailing down the nuances of what exactly it means for Jesus to be first is a lifelong challenge that requires on continuous evaluation of our lives. But in general, we get the concept. And at least with Jesus, we understand why. We understand why Jesus would need to be first. Because he is, as we're about to find out at Christmas, he is the literal son of God. He is the one that is begotten by God through the faithfulness of Mary. He is the one who will go on to minister to the least and the last and the lost. He's the one that will be largely motivated by the words that we just shared together from the book of Isaiah. And not only did Jesus read those words... But Jesus declared those words fulfilled in their reading that day. If we're going to live with joy, we live as those who put Jesus first. Which then leaves the other two letters. Others and yourself feel like those last two letters are out of order? Or is it just that we wish those last two words were out of order? These words, ultimately, my friends, these words are harder for us to live. 
but in order for us to embrace the joy of the Advent season and the coming of Jesus at Christmas, it is important for us to live with J-O-Y, joy, Jesus, and then yourselves. But the truth is that we like to put ourselves first. And we don't like to put others above ourselves. It is very difficult for us to do that in our lives. It is very countercultural from everything that the world tells us. It's hard to do when we're stuck in traffic. It's hard to do when we're up for something cool at work. It is even hard for us to do in our lives of faith. Because our desire for our life of faith is for it to be an individual relationship that we have with Jesus that is unique to us and special to us. And our lives of faith are that. But it cannot be as it was once referred to me, me and Jesus in John 3.16. Our faith is not a singular activity. And when we try to treat it like that, we learn as soon as we put Jesus first and strive to follow his example, we learn that to follow Jesus means to think beyond ourselves, to live J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and then yourselves. Because our faith is communal. And more than that, our joy is communal. And our faith is meant to be shared, and so is our joy meant to be shared. And the cool thing is, is as we do those things, as we share our faith and share our joy, we find that they are both multiplied. So that others have the opportunity to experience them. But because doing that is hard, because living that way is hard, it is awesome for us to have examples. And if we need examples of how this is supposed to look and how this is supposed to work, we need to look no further than Isaiah and John the baptizer, whom we met in our, who we revisited in our scripture for this morning. Isaiah may have had a hard time putting others before himself because the people of God spent almost half of his prophetic ministry completely ignoring everything that he said. They ignored words that could change their lives. They ignored words that could save their lives. And Isaiah also spoke as one who was a prophet And Isaiah could easily look at the history of how Israel treated the other prophets and decide that these people were not worth putting above his own self. Because in Luke chapter 13, when Jesus calls out Jerusalem for how they treated the prophets, he wasn't being hyperbolic. In Luke 13, Jesus points out that Jerusalem was the place that killed and stoned its prophets. And so put yourself in Isaiah's shoes for just a hot second. Are you deciding that these people are worth prioritizing? Are you motivated to put these people above your own interests? 
That's Isaiah. And then there's John the baptizer, whose entire life and whose entire legacy was wrapped up in putting others first. Because his entire life and his entire legacy was to point to Jesus. Even in this baptism that is the thing he's the most famous for because we call him John the baptizer or John the Baptist, all it did was point other people to Jesus. But that never stopped him from calling people to repent and leading people into the baptismal waters as a sign of their forgiveness before God. The interesting thing is that John the baptizer knew who these people were that were coming, that were coming into the wilderness to see him. And he knew that there were people that were earnestly repenting of their sin and seeking a baptism of forgiveness. He knew that there were some who were curious about this strange man with this weird diet and just had to come out and see him. And he knew that there were people that did not believe him, that did not trust him, that did not like him. Yet in our scripture for this morning, John reveals the fierce joy that he finds in being a servant of Jesus. Some Pharisees send some messengers out to ask John exactly who he is because they're still not getting it. And John doesn't refuse to answer, our scripture says. John doesn't refuse to answer, but rather boldly proclaims that he is not a prophet, that he is not a Messiah. He is merely one who is a voice. A voice calling out and preparing people for Jesus. Both John and Isaiah express this profound, this fierce joy in putting Jesus first, in putting others above themselves, and in being used by God. And this is a joy that resides so deep in their beings. This is a joy that is undeterred by their circumstances. Isaiah goes so far as to tell the people that he had been chosen by God to share this joy. He was called to share good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and healing to the brokenhearted and joy for those that found themselves entombed by grief. And John baptized and proclaimed forgiveness that is made known and would continue to be made known in Jesus. Do we know joy like that? Do we know joy that has that deep of a root within us? As we wait to celebrate Jesus' birth, as we wait for Jesus' coming, the reality is, is that our joy can be threatened by our circumstances. The reality is, is that we can find ourselves wallowing in the darkness. We can find ourselves giving up on the light and the joy of the Lord because life gets in the way. 
In this holiday season, it may very well be that we find ourselves straining under the weight of our to-do list. That we may struggle with the expectations that have been unfairly foisted upon us. And we may find this holiday season with its joy and its happiness and its celebration and its lights just a bit too much to bear. Maybe feeling the pain of loss or even the memory of loss. Because this may be the first Christmas without our spouse. The first Christmas without relationship that was so meaningful, meaningful to us but fell apart somehow. Or perhaps our carefully crafted plans have fallen through or the risk of an invitation has not been returned favorably. And maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but when life happens, I find J-O-Y turns into just a lowly Y with maybe a little bit of J when I remember and the O is completely absent. Nowhere to be found. And it doesn't work. And so we read our scripture for this morning. So we read what God had in mind for God's own people. We read these scriptures and are reminded of the joy that Isaiah and John proclaimed. And we are reminded that the joy of the Lord is awaiting us, no matter what our circumstances seem to try to dictate. Because the joy of the Lord is waiting for us in the birth of Jesus. And the joy of the Lord is waiting for us in the return of Jesus. The joy of the Advent season is an acronym. And it comes when we get our priorities aligned. When we live with these priorities of Jesus, others, and then ourselves or yourselves What comes forth is what is expected. It's joy. It is a joy that is lasting and deep and real and present despite our circumstances. Quite frankly, it is a joy that is fierce. A joy with an intensity, a joy with a veracity, a joy that cannot easily be undone. It is the same joy that Isaiah proclaimed to the people. It is the same joy that John the Baptist invited people to experience in their forgiveness. It is the joy that is embodied by Jesus. Our fierce joy Our joy of this Advent season is an in-your-face joy that says, no matter what, I'm going to trust God. It's a joy that says, no matter what individual feelings or inclinations I have, I am going to live J-O-Y and do some good in the world. And it may not make sense because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, But what we find is that our fierce joy will sustain us in those dark moments. And our shared fierce joy as the body of Christ will enable us to bring light forward 
bring joy forward to a world that is waiting to see it once again. Would you pray with me? Coming, Jesus, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for Joy Sunday and this opportunity to look hopefully, expectantly, and joyfully forward to your advent, to your coming, to your arrival. Let us use these days between now and the celebration of your birth to really align our priorities. And let us use these days, these waning days of our year, to really set some things straight so that we may embody joy in the same way that Isaiah did, in the same way that John the Baptizer did, in the same way that all who interacted with you did. Because we know that life is messy and life is hard and life sometimes hurts. And because we know that there are people that are seeking for a joy just like this. Make us vessels of your joy, your fierce joy that is found in following you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message to head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.